as well. And so let me forget one other thing. Uh, a lot of you have really enjoyed having mom and pop back on with us. You remember the many years that they sang. Uh, Kim reminded me they do have a CD. And if you would like to get one of those, if you will contact Kim, she will tell you what you need to do to get one of those CDs. You talk about worship, just get in your car, sit down and put that in. And I promise you, you will feel the presence of the Lord through that CD. But contact Kim if you'd like to get one. And I know she'll tell you how you can do that. So today we want to talk about what does serving God look like? What does serving God look like? You know, me and Pop talk about me and Pop talk about everything. We probably talk about you too, but uh, we talk about everything. But it's in a good way. It's in a good way. But you know, a lot of people, I really believe, have a misconception on what it is to serve the Lord. We hear people say, "Well, we got to serve the Lord." Well, number one, you don't have to serve the Lord. You should serve the Lord because you want to, and that's what we're going to be talking about. But the scripture we're using is Psalm. Two, uh, 100, 2, 3, and 4. And look at what it says right off the get-go. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence as we have this morning with singing. Wow, that's a whole different atmosphere. That doesn't sound like being uh, downhearted or complaining or murmuring or, or begrudging having to do it. It sounds... It, Come before the Lord with singing and serve him with gladness. If we don't have a glad heart, that tells us right there we're already missing it. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Wow. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Wow, enter his gates with thanksgiving. I've told people for years, don't ever ask God for anything that you haven't already thanked him for what he's already done. Sometimes it's good to just be alone with God and reminisce what he's already done. And then when you go before him with your requests, because you've been thankful, God says, I will bless. Now again, too many people have a wrong concept of what it is to serve the Lord. Some look at God as a taskmaster ruling over us. Oh, he's some big God up there in heaven that's making us do this and making us do that. Some look at God as a greedy king who is also ruling over us, who is overtaxing his people, if you will. But then some look at God as a big boss who pushes for maximum work with minimum pay. Well, my friends, I've got good news for you. Our Father God is none of those things. He is a loving, he is caring, he is gentle, he is compassionate. He is a Father who desires only to bless us, especially when we lovingly serve him. Now, if I ask you, what do you think God wants from us the most? If I ask you that today, what do you think God wants from us more than anything else. You know, over the years, I've heard people say this. Well, he wants us to witness, and he wants us to win souls. That, that's the number one thing God wants. Now, while God does want us to do these things, they're at the top of the list. They are not what God desires the most. So what is it? More than anything we can do, God wants us to spend time with him. 
in fellowship and communion with him. That is the number one thing. When the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, that means his presence above all things else. Seek first to fellowship with him, to commune with him, to spend time with him. The Bible says it should be an intimate time. When the Bible says get into the prayer closet, the terminology for prayer closet in the Greek is bedchamber, the place of intimacy, the place of resting, the place of refreshing. That's what the bedchamber, it's not a closet that you put shoes in or clothes in, it's the place where you get along with God and you're intimate with him. Jesus said, I'll be in you, you'll be in me, and we'll be in the Father. That is intimacy. We're connecting, and that's what God desires more than anything else. Now, if we are alone with God and fellowship with God and commune with God, you will win souls. You will witness to other people. You will go to church. You will do, because that's a byproduct of the relationship. And that comes first. God first loved us and desires that we love him as much, if at all possible, that, we, that he's loved us. Now, what does that mean? That means God loved us completely and wholeheartedly. Now, we can never outlove God. Can't be done. But we can love him with every fiber of our being. We can love him because God's love was so big it went to the entire world. But see, our love completely, wholeheartedly should go to the Father. We can never outlove him, but we can love him completely, just like he loves us completely. It should be understood, though, that love, hear me now, and service go hand in hand. You know, I love my wife tremendously. I always say I love her more than she loves me. I'm talking she's not, so that's the way it is right now. Unless she wants to rebuttal that over the air here. I always say, I love her more. But you know what I do? I do a lot of things for her too. Because I love her, I want to serve her. I want to do things for her. I want to see her smile. I want to take her places. I want to buy her things. Why? Because I love her. Many of you have got children. The things that they have is a byproduct of the love that you have for them. You love them, therefore you in a way serve them. You want to do for them. How much more should we want to serve God? who's been so faithful to each and every one of us. If we truly love God, if we truly love Jesus, we will also lovingly, wholeheartedly serve them with the help of the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't even have to guess at the service. The Holy Spirit will always tell us what God wants us to do, when he wants us to do it, how he wants us to do it, where he wants us to do it. That's the reason I preach often. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to know Him. You need to fellowship with Him so that He can share with you the things of God. But what does it really mean, though, to serve God? Well, Jesus shows us in Mark 10, 42 through 44, what is required when it comes to the service of the Lord. Now, note what's happening in the Scripture. If the disciples are arguing I, I know you think they were holy rollers and they always got along, but they were arguing among each other over who was going to be the greatest. Oh, I'm better than you because I, I, went, I, I got two souls for Jesus. You only got one. And the other guy said, well, none of you got because I got four. 
But they were arguing over who's the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus, as Barney Five said, nipped it in the bud. He nipped it. <laughs> Verse 42 of Luke 10, look at what it says. But Jesus called them, the disciples, to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. So Jesus is saying, okay, look at the world. And look at how they operate. The Gentiles, if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. He says they lord their authority over people, over things. They want that high position. But notice what he says to them and he says to us in verse 43. Yet it shall not be so among you. He says, not going to be like that. You're not going to lord your authority over them. You, matter of fact, the Corinthian church, one of the reasons in that church that, that Paul told the women that they couldn't teach is because they were lording their authority over the men. Not every church, that church. Nobody should lord their authority over anybody in the body of Christ. So I, I will take up for the women there. They were the women in that church. Who was he talking to? What was he talking about? Where was he at? But we see here the world's idea of authority is to lord over people. But Jesus said it's not that way in the kingdom of God. He says, but whosoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Wow. That, that, that doesn't sound like the world at all. He said, whoever wishes to be great will be the servant. He goes on even further in verse 44. Whoever desires to be first will be slave of all. Now, Jesus here uses two different Greek terms to describe servant. In verse 43, it is dekonos, which means to minister, to be a servant, to be a deacon. It means to minister in the body. It means that a position of serving, a position of ministry, but then he goes on to doulos, which means a bond servant. That is a person bound to be a servant without any wages. You don't get anything for it. It's because you are a bond. You've been sold into that. You've been given over to that completely. True servanthood is serving others expecting nothing in return. Well, I'll do this for you. You do this for me. Well, horse fly, that's bothering. That's bothering. You're getting something for doing something. And that's not what he's talking about. True service is to serve somebody's need, to help somebody, whatever their need is, not wanting anything in return. You don't have to do anything for me. I just want to do this for you. That's true service. And really, that's true love. Serving God has a twofold purpose. So let's, let's understand why. Why does God want us to serve Him? What does God even need from us anyway? Have you ever thought about it? What do we really have that God even needs? We're so imperfect in our flesh. We're so imperfect in the way we do things. He's a perfect, complete, pure God. What in the world would He even want from us? What kind of service could we actually do that He even needs? And that's the reason I want to talk to you about why do we serve 
the Lord. The twofold meaning is one. Listen to this. Boy, this is powerful. I'm not this smart. The Holy Spirit had to give me this because I'm just not this smart. Number one, the reason God wants us to serve him is that it defeats the spirit of selfishness in us. By nature, we are selfish. Sometimes, the first word we hear from a baby is not always mom or dad or mama or papa or whatever. Sometimes it's mine. Sometimes it's no. Why? Because already, even as an infant, that child's nature is saying, I want it my way. I don't just want the bottle, mama. I want it my way. And I just don't want the white bottle. I want the pink bottle. And as a child, that nature has already kicked in. That's the reason the Bible says we were born in the sin. Right off the get-go. You know, we think they're all little angels, but they're not. They're not. There's some sin in there somewhere. Because it's been passed on by Adam and Eve. That's the reason we need to anoint them early. Matter of fact, we need to be standing at the womb pulling on normal oil when they come out. Because already in a mess when we get started. Somebody say amen. It defeats the spirit. Notice I said the spirit. It is driven by demonic force that comes against our flesh to make us want what we want while at the same time not considering other people. But Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But notice what he says, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not just your family, not just your spouse, not just your kid. Others mean others. Others means your neighbor. Next door, next block, next state, next nation. A neighbor is a neighbor no matter how far they are away. He says what? Do nothing in selfish ambition. The number one thing that God looks at when he looks at our life is the intent of our heart. The intent of the heart. You see, there's some people that may say they repent, but if their heart's not in it, they're wasting their breath. God looks at the heart because that's where we make decisions. Not in the head. The head is the information center. But the heart is where decisions are made. That's the reason God is always looking at our heart. And matter of fact, if we serve him with the wrong heart, God sees that too. But he says, by all means, we're in humility. That means not looking. A good pastor friend of mine said this a long time ago, and I never forgot it. Pastor Farrell Hardison up in, used to be Princeton, North Carolina. He said this, I never forgot it. True humility is not looking down on self. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to look down on yourself and consider yourself worthless. But that's not what God's talking about when he talks about true humility. True humility is not looking down on self. It's not looking at self at all. Wow. Amen. It ain't about you at all. It ain't about you being unworthy or being worthy. It's not about you at all. True humility makes it all about God and other people. That's powerful. Don't let the devil give you a false humility. 
Oh, well, I'm so unworthy. There's a term that we've heard for years. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. My friends, we're the children of God now. We're beyond that. We were sinners who were saved by grace. Now we're the children of God. Now we're the saints of God. Now we're empowered by God. We're more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors. And I could go on and on and on. To be humble. Don't look at yourself at all. It's not about you either way. It's about other people. In 1 Corinthians 10, 24, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Now, if you know anything about God at all, the moment you start doing for others, am I right, Pop? Is the moment God starts doing for you. If you will not consider your needs but consider the needs of somebody else, guess what's going to happen? Your needs are going to get met. But you see, if we try to do it ourselves, we're going to be limited in what we can do, and we haven't done anything for anybody else, which just makes it a mess. But if we will put others before ourselves, God will put us first. So it's up to us. Selfishness is a demonic force that can never get enough and it will always lead to destruction in some way. Whether it's money, whether it's lust, whether it's gossip, no matter what it is, if you let this flesh have its way, it will lead you to destruction because it is selfish. But serving others breaks the chains and allows the joy and the peace and the power and the love of God to fill our lives, to fill our hearts, and fill our minds. And then we walk in the joy of the Lord. So notice something. Number one, it breaks the spirit of selfishness when we serve the Lord. But number two, it helps others who are in need, and it is rooted in the love we have for God. Because I love God, I want to help other people. Because God loves other people. I want to love God and I want to love what God loves. Therefore, I love other people. I serve other people. The first commandment is what? That we love the Lord our God completely, heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. But notice the second commandment. Notice now God says the first and second, you can hang the whole Bible on those two scriptures. Love God completely and your neighbor as yourself and you have fulfilled the law and the prophets. Just by doing those two things. Why? Because if we love God completely, wholeheartedly, we will live right. Our conduct will be right. And then if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we've got it completely covered. To love your neighbor as yourself will always be seen in acts of service. It's not enough to just say you love somebody. You've got to show them you love them. So our service to God, listen to this is actually service to others. And it is a byproduct of our loving God. So can I say it this way? When we're serving God, we're not actually serving God. We're serving others. And it defeats the selfishness in us. So again, who is getting blessed the most by this? We are. You see, all God wants from us is our love. Because our service can be works if we're not careful, and our works won't do it. But God said, if you love me, you'll serve others. 
So it's not about serving a big God. It's about loving God and serving others. And while you're serving, you get blessed. It breaks selfishness off your life. It honors God. It frees us and it helps others. That's the way it works. There's some people around us even at this moment who almost daily need something that we can give. Physically, spiritually, socially, emotionally, financially. There are needs around us each and every day. Somebody needs something you've got. Something you can do. Something you can say. So God is not a taskmaster. He is not a greedy king and God is not a boss. He is a loving father who desires our love and fellowship who also desires to set us free from selfishness while at the same time lovingly help us serve others who need our help. And how many of us would be honest here today? We are where we are, not just because God loved us, but because God sent people into our life to help us. I am a byproduct today of many people who've sown into my life. As I joke with him a lot of time, my youth director when I was younger, Brother Joe Hudson, and Mr. Billy and Miss Betsy when I was at Blackjack Church in Pitt County, and a lot of the people there in the church, I got saved at 13, and they began sowing into my life, praying for me, encouraging me. All through the years, God put many great ministers, Brother Willis Wilson, Brother Gary Bailey, and others into my life to help me, friends who helped me, who encouraged me. You know what they were doing? They were loving God and serving me. Helping me to be all that I am today. Now, if I messed up along the way, yeah, and they didn't have nothing to do with it, but God and His grace is great. You are a byproduct of people who've been serving God by serving you. And all God wants you to do is the same thing. Serve other people. We're not really serving God God loves people, and therefore we want to serve the people God loves, and He loves everybody. I pray today that you see serving God in a different light. I pray that maybe something went off today, and you say, hey, that makes sense. I never thought about it that way. Well, really, I didn't either until God showed me through the Holy Spirit and the Word. I hope that you will love Him completely and wholeheartedly, because that's really what God desires from you. And if you love Him like that, He'll love you like that, which He does anyway. And you will want to serve him by serving other people and helping them. I encourage you today to be free from the spirit of selfishness. Because it will lead you down a path of destruction. Now, now just ask yourself, am I really helping other people other than my own family? Am I really reaching out to that guy on the corner? Let me tell you something Kim and I do. Uh, God um, had a friend that does this, uh, Brother Joe Leonard, uh, over in Arizona. He goes to Hollywood a lot of times and ministers on the streets. And years ago, he started asking people to get a $5 gift certificate from McDonald's to put a card, put it in a card, and just write a prophetic note to encourage somebody. You don't know who it's going to, but a word that you feel God gives you to minister to somebody, to let them know God loves them, along with a gift certificate. It doesn't have to be McDonald's. It could be anywhere. Well, I remembered that, and, and Brother Joe's done some great work over the years. He is a missionary to America. But Kim and I said, I told her that. She said, well, let's do that. So we went to the Dollar General, bought us some gift certificates, got some cards, and we put three in the car and three in the truck. And now when I see somebody on the street corner, I don't even say, well, do they really need it? 
Uh, why are they there? You know, uh, are they out here just trying to, uh, to, to hustle people? I don't even have to ask that anymore. I just give them the card. Because for whatever reason they're there, that's not my business. My business, they're asking, I'm going to give them something. So we just roll the window down. We don't even know what that card said. They're mixed up, but we know there's a prophetic word for that person. And a meal. That's serving other people too. That's what we're talking about. When you see a need, as the old thing goes, if you see a hurt, heal it. If you see a need, meet it. And that's what we should be constantly doing. You know, you can never go wrong doing right. Never go wrong doing the right thing. Doesn't matter why somebody's in the situation they're in. Maybe they brought it on themselves. But can I ask you a question? Have you ever brought any mess on yourself? I have. Boy, have I. I've made a mess out of some things, but you know, God's faithful. And other people who knew me still loved me and still served and helped me. And that's what God's asking us to do. So I challenge you today in closing to serve others and receive the joy and the peace and the satisfaction that comes with that. If you don't know Christ today, I want to give you an invitation. He is awesome. He died for you. He loves you. He cares for you. Jesus went to the cross. This is what the resurrection season is all about. This is what next Sunday is all about. This is what this week is all about. Jesus going to the cross for you. If you don't know Christ today as your Lord and Savior, you don't know God as your loving Father, right now all you've got to do is accept Jesus into your heart and let Him be Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart that God rose Him from the dead because that defeated death, hell, and the grave. Confess that, hey, I'm a sinner, God, and I need your forgiveness. I need your salvation. And if you will do that today, my friends, God will save you. The Bible says if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, accepting him as Lord, master of your life, give your life to Jesus right now. Just say, Father, I accept Jesus. I believe in my heart you raised him from the dead. I confess my sins, and I accept your forgiveness. Here is my life. Use me to your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. A simple prayer like that. Now, if you've made that decision, Kim and I have a book we want to send you. 13 steps on what do we do next. What do I do now that I'm a child of God? If you'll contact us, we'll be glad to send you that book and help you get started on your new walk with the Lord. My heart, joy.